Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast where we know the average airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow, African or European. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. And now, for something completely different, we're talking Monty Python. Hey, Ben. Hey, John. Welcome back. Uh, Not from a break. (laughs) I guess guess I'm still back in the same place I was before. Yeah, here we are. We are a week behind um, for, uh, I guess that's our our annual one week late, one time break. (laughs) The annual fuck up has come around yet again. It's about the same time of year, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it was Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely kind of coming into the holidays somewhere. That's a rough time to be doing things, though. Yeah. Shit gets busy all of a sudden. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, like last week we just, we were busy and I got sick. I had this nasty cold. I still have this cough that's hanging on and I'm having eyeball trouble. So I, I, everything was, was just sort of getting in the way. Oh, and my kid had a birthday party. So that took care of Saturday night there. Fucking kids. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Angelina and, and the little one both have birthdays in uh early to mid november they're they're like a, j- just over a week apart it's a it's a fine time to have a birthday yeah oh yeah i guess so because you had a birthday too yes i did yeah what'd you do uh i think i went i just went out to red robin and ate some food with my family yeah what'd you do after that went home yeah yep you do anything at home <laughs> nope <laughs> are you sure because i'm pretty sure i came over asshole oh well yeah, that doesn't count <laughs> as something that's, yeah that's no. just I we, I came over and we played a game of betrayal oh, God, on the ha- uh, uh, betrayal at the house on the betrayal at on, house on the hill at house on the hill yeah and we love that game usually takes you know a couple hours holy shit we played with your mother in law for the first time ever and she became the traitor for those uh, in the know you know and yeah. this game took us like four hours oh it was ridiculous she kind of got a loose grasp on the rules at the beginning because they're fairly simple to start with. And then, unfortunately, she became the traitor and had to go read the her part of the rule book in the back. And it was just, she came back and had to control herself and, like, five demons. And, oh, man, it just, it dragged on and on and on. It was a mess. Oh, and the worst part was she won. Yep. Oh, the dice were not with us. I rolled, what was it, five dice? Yes. And they all came up zeros. That was so absurd. Like, you and I yeah. could not buy a good roll to save our lives. I think I had one good roll. And it was when it was completely unnecessary. I had like five dice and I needed to roll a three and I rolled like a 12. RN Jesus was not with us that no. night, unfortunately. No, but that, that was fun. Yeah, it's a good game. Have you drank uh, that barley wine yet? I have not. I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't want to drink it with dinner because it, it looks absolutely delicious. I want to be able to like savor it. Yeah. So it's, it's in my fridge and it will be drunk eventually. And how was that, uh, that powdered toast man brown ale? It was pretty good. It was a little sweet, um, which I, with a name like Powdered Toast Man, I guess that is not unexpected. Yeah, it was either going to be that or like a goofy and superhero-y. Yeah, yeah it tasted uh, tasted like uh, pralines. <laughs> <laughs> Those, huh? Yes. Yeah. All right. So we are talking Monty Python. Yeah. I uh, take it from your excited little yeah there and from how well I know you that you're a big fan of this, huh? I am a huge Monty Python fan. I I love those guys. This is going to be similar to the role-playing game episode where you are far and away more well-versed on this topic than I am. So I'm going to try to try to interject where I can and uh, try to lead you into some into some interesting talks best I can. But oh boy, I am so out of my element here unlike tabletop gaming which is uh it has become a bit bigger and a bit more popular monty python at least some of it is uh is a bit of a cultural institution so you you probably have a better knowledge for this subject than you did for tabletop gaming Ooh, possibly you've seen a good bit of their work you may not be intimately familiar with it but uh i bet you've seen most of the their movies probably not a lot of flying circus no, I don't know if I've seen any of Flying Circus besides oh, really? just You're, a couple clip outs. You are missing out. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we were younger and 
you got all stoked because they they put um they put Flying Circus out on DVD and it was like a shit ton of discs. Do you still have that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, damn. That's a, that's actually a fantastic question. Where the hell did that go? And <laughs> <laughs> all of your moves around the country, it got lost somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, growing up, we had enough friends in our, uh, in our core group that were Monty Python fans to where it, it was sort of like Beavis and Butthead, where I never watched Beavis and Butthead because I wasn't allowed to, but I still knew the lines and I knew the jokes. Oh man, you're missing out there too. Yeah, well, I I went back and watched plenty Beavis and Butthead, so... Yeah, but going back does not do Beavis and Butthead justice. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like, any time you get, like, the DVD box sets, it's got all the music videos taken out of it. Well, I, I went back and watched them on reruns with uh with your buddy Kyle. But So it still had all the music videos and yes. then making fun of them the whole time? Oh, yep. really? I I don't know where you can find that anymore, because that was, that was half the show. Yeah, yeah. It was solid. But um, back to the topic at hand. Yes. Well, yeah, like I said, they're a cultural institution. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, pe- even people that uh, have never seen like the Holy Grail are familiar with some of the lines from it, like, tis but a flesh wound. Yes. And uh, your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. That's what it is. Like, I always remember the, uh, the your mother was a hamster part, but I can never remember the other line, the elderberry thing. Yeah, I, I um, let's see. I watched Holy Grail. That, I, that's definitely... The one I've seen more than uh, more than anything else. Um, that is generally intro to Monty Python. Yeah, one hundred and one. And I know I've seen Life of Brian a couple times. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I've ever seen. Uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of it already. The other big one, The Meaning of Life. Yes. I kept on wanting to say History of the World. I'm like, that's fucking Mel Brooks. Well, no, I, and those are really their only three big movies. Everything else is, you know, live shows and such. So oh, those, those really? are the only three like feature films they did. Okay. I I, I bet I've seen Meaning of Life. Yeah, but- I, I've I've watched it at least 50, 60 times over the course of my <laughs> life. So you might have been there for one of them. So all these movies you're not watching, it's because you are spending that same amount of time <laughs> watching Monty Python over and over. Well, at least I did when I was younger. I watched a lot of movies when I was in my early 20s. It's just like, it seems like once I had kids, uh, I stopped watching very many movies. Well, yeah, and when we were younger, we did a lot more drinking and smoking pot. So Yeah, and sitting around and, you know, if you're not playing video games, might as well watch a movie. Because TV was garbage then. Yeah. Talking like the early 2000s, there wasn't anything good on TV. Yeah, get stoned, watch Monty Python. Yeah. That, that that is probably how it happened more to, more often than not, which which probably explains how I was I was thinking about uh, about Monty Python and my history with it today, and how like it's really weird. Whenever I go to watch Holy Grail, I remember you know the 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 opening with the Frenchman, and I remember the little animated sequences, and like uh, who was it? John Cleese who played Lancelot, or was Lancelot who John Cleese played when he storms that castle? Yes, yeah, yes. And like I remember that scene, but every time I watch the movie. I'm I'm always like like shocked like oh wait I don't I don't remember this part or like I don't remember what comes next ever. Yeah, well it's because the uh, th- that was their first feature film and it was kind of uh it was coming off of Flying Circus and it is kind of a series of vignettes that are very loosely put together. Like the the plot of that movie is uh is pretty ill-defined. Okay. Let's put it. I mean like it starts out with Arthur going around trying to gather knights for the round table and then they get to Camelot and they're like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, okay, let's, let's skip it. It's a silly place. And uh, then God comes down and is like, find the Holy Grail. And they're like, okay. And then they all kind of split up and they have like their own little things going on. And then uh, it gets to the end and they get, you know, they don't find the Holy Grail. They <laughs> It just kind of ends. They get arrested. Yeah. So, so that, that <laughs> is when meta. all like the, the modern police show up and everything, right? Yes. Like, okay. Because I for some reason, I always get that mixed up with a Mel Brooks movie too. Like, does that happen in Blazing Saddles also? No. Okay. All in Blazing right. Saddles, they have the, uh, the, like the fist fight that goes through the studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's illustrating my point as we speak, <laughs> but well, yeah, the, yeah, the police thing, they kind of hint through for the movie because at the beginning, I don't know if you remember, there's like the historian kind of talking about Arthur and stuff. And yeah. Then like doing kind of him. a, kind of a documentary thing. Yeah. And then yeah. he gets killed and then the police show up and they're investigating the murder. That's right. And then they come in at the end. So it's not completely out of left field. Oh man. I want to watch that again. It's a, it's a solid <laughs> movie. Yeah. Like the, the brave Sir Robin song. I, I remember singing that with, uh, with Preston, his little brother when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah. And of course the, uh, the, 
the first you must answer me these questions three that that's that's the one thing that that i remember most from the first time i saw that movie is uh you know when when he's like what is your name say what is your quest and that right, what is it the second guy when he's like what is your, your favorite, favorite color? color and he's like right no yo <laughs> i don't i don't remember the colors and I, i'm sure you know the you're you are probably correcting me in your uh in your head but for some reason just the fact that that guy couldn't think of his favorite color <laughs> and and like he says the wrong thing and tries to correct himself and and gets launched like that thing tickled me like nothing else in that entire movie so good good job monty python that, like that movie doesn't have a lot of like uh real zinger belly laugh jokes in it it's it's more like a low simmer of hilarity dry british humor yeah, where it's just it it is it, it's more of a a a load of chuckles rather than you know, a few guffaws, and I, at least I find myself smiling pretty much the whole way through it. Yeah, see, <laughs> it seems to be your style. Oh, it, it absolutely is, and that yeah, it probably shaped a lot of your sense of humor because you are not Mister Slapstick. You know, like like if there's a group of people that are all chatting and, and hurling little insults at each other and, you know, cracking jokes. You're not Mr. Like, Oh, look at this. Look at this zinger that I've got right now. I'm going to unleash it. You know, whereas there are certain people, myself included sometimes where you're, you, where, you know, a moment hits in a conversation where you're like, Oh fuck, this is going to kill. Here we go. <laughs> it sometimes works. Um, no, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, play it straight a bit more. Uh, not a lot of presentation in my jabs and quips. Yeah. Now, how long did uh, did Monty Python's Flying Circus run? How many seasons or series is, did it have? I believe there was four, and then I think there was a part of a fifth, and they did uh, they did like um, a few, uh, I think two German episodes where they did the whole episode in German. Oh shit! For the uh, for the Krauts, for the German audience, and then they did a number of you know, number of live things in the three movies. And uh, four or five different comedy albums, mm -hmm. but uh, it's not a huge volume of work. So, did they sort of go their own way besides the the live shows that they that they continue to do? Like, did did they stop producing, um, you know, like movies and TV like in the eighties? Yeah, I like think it's it was, not something well, like National Lampoons or or you know some, something else like that where it's like a comedy troupe that will keep putting out different movies or like sponsoring a movie or like Broken no, Lizard. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it, it's very much the, the you know five dudes, <laughs> and uh, one of them died. Graham Chapman died of cancer in I want to say like eighty six or eighty seven somewhere in the mid eighties. Didn't Terry Gilliam also die recently? No, he's very much alive. Is he? Yeah, the rest of them are all alive. Okay, so it was John Cleese, Eric Idle, Graham Chapman, Terry Gilliam, and Terry Jones? Correct. Okay, now... Look at you. I know, hey. Um, I, I, I know useless factoids. Um, or useful in this case. Why do I feel like there was one more? And, like, didn't Terry Gilliam, like, come into it late or something? Oh, you, I think you missed Michael Palin. Ah, okay. So you almost got it. Yeah. I was just going over it in my head, and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I just I knew those names that were associated with it, but like with with someone like like John Cleese and Eric Idle, I always associate with with that. Terry Gilliam, I always think of like his movie Brazil that he did because he became a director and and did other shit afterwards. Tons of stuff. Yeah, and like he was for years attached to a Watchmen movie that like that I read I read some of the script and it was fucking wild. It opened with a with like a big ass fight scene that wasn't in the comic books like on the statue of liberty yeah it was neat we like the intro to gi joe <laughs> yeah no shit <laughs> wait he did he did like fear and loathing in las vegas too oh shit no kidding he's done uh, he's done a ton of stuff that you would know um yeah and then cleese is probably the most recognizable face right uh, yes yeah probably yeah i'd say so yeah and then eric idol's got that voice M michael palin's pretty recognizable yeah. Apparently, well, I guess he was f fairly forgettable for you. Yeah. Ter Terry Gilliam was only like, you know, because he was the animator, essentially. Oh. So he, he, was, he was in stuff frequently, but he didn't have as much of a front and center role as most of the other guys. Oh, okay. And he's also the only American. Oh, he's American. He's totally American. Oh, shit. He was born in the Midwest somewhere. All right. Looking at this Michael Palin guy. Yeah. Like, at least him right now don't recognize him at all there's a there's a picture of him when he was younger 
He looks kind of familiar, but uh, wow, no. Seriously? I got nothing. Yeah. I do not recognize his face at all. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And now that we know what we're playing with. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I guess that's why you forgot him. Yeah. So what is your, uh, what's your history, Ben? Where, where, how far back does, uh, does Monty Python go? And do you remember your first encounter with them? Oh yeah. I think the, the first time I encountered Monty Python was, see, how old was I? It had to have been, I was probably in the fifth grade. Yeah, that sounds about right. Fifth, okay. fifth grade. Uh, they used to play reruns of it. Uh, I believe it was on PBS. A flying Circus. A flying circus, yeah. It was definitely with Flying Circus. And uh it played back to back with Benny Hill. Oh shit. The the big the big Brit comedy hour. Yeah, yeah. Benny Hill and then I think the young ones was in there as well. Oh cool, yeah. And yeah, that was kind of my intro to British humor and uh I I absolutely glommed right onto it. It was definitely formative for me in forming my sense of humor because it was uh at that age it was very I think I was drawn more to the silliness and the absurdism of it. And the cross-dressing. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It was just like, look at these adult men dressed up as, as old women and talking in really silly voices about about absolutely ridiculous things. And yeah, that, about spam. Yeah, that penguin just exploded on top of the TV. Why was there a penguin on the TV? Why did it explode? Yeah. What is going on? <laughs> that was the part that kind of spoke to me as a kid. And then a lot of the satire and uh references went well over my you know fifth grade head at that point in time yeah like you know i didn't know who proust was or what uh anything about british politics i still don't (laughs) anything like that so but uh but uh, i i you know i like i didn't understand the uh humor behind the you know uh like the high class twit of the year competition but uh, I did know a bunch of people running around with their teeth out, struggling to take bras off of mannequins. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, you may, uh, you may upper class sell me on it. I believe it was. If you've never actually watched an episode, uh, you've just seen like clips of like the cheese shop sketch or the parrot sketch. I would imagine. Yeah, that, and like then that. one where they where they're walking really weird with big old steps. Yeah, the Ministry of Silly Walks. There we go, and uh, you know the the spam spam eggs and spam and yeah. And the, that, like, I remember when we were younger, our buddy Ryan, uh, who was super into Monty Python along with you, like, he, he would, he would go around quoting that, that whole, like, right, right, nudge, nudge, getting honey with the missus, right, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that one always stuck out in my head when I actually saw it. I really enjoyed it. But I, I couldn't tell you what that sketch is about, except I just remember that, that guy with his little elbow sticking out and right, right, nudge, nudge. Oh, that, that's what it's about. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was one of the things that uh, that I think Python kind of, I don't think they pioneered it because there were some other folks that were doing something kind of similar at the time, but they definitely did it really, really well. Yeah. Was that they uh, they made a comedy show with, with very few punchlines. Okay. You know, before that time, a sketch was generally like a build up to something and at the end there was a punchline like da 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 Yeah. They didn't do that. They didn't even finish a lot of their sketches because it was like, okay, here's a funny idea. Let's run that through. And when it stops being funny, we're just going to stop doing it. So they would just abruptly cut from one thing to another um, or they would get real meta and have someone come in and like cancel the sketch or it would just go to one of Terry Gillum's animations because they were like a brilliant uh, segue device where at any time when they didn't have an end to a sketch, you know, they'd, they'd write a sketch that have a bunch of funny shit in it, and they'd be like, uh, we don't have a punchline. There's no end to it, so we'll just cut to uh, this weird, uh, like, paper-cut-looking animation of a naked woman eating fingers or something like that. <laughs> weird. <laughs> oh, his animation is, is absolutely fantastic. I, I, I loved it. See, it's funny. I, I, I listen to, to what you say about their process, and all I can think of is... Why did Saturday Night Live not take a cue from that for the last like twenty years? Yeah, no shit, right? When the sketch stops being funny, end the sketch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just let it go. You don't have to keep milking it. You can just you can just cut to something else. Yeah, people had some laughs. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to tell a story. It doesn't need to have a punchline. Just put some jokes in there. Put some ridiculous shit in there, and move on. That's not to say they didn't. You know, they never had punchlines. They definitely had some here and there, but. Uh, it was not the focus of the show. Yeah. I'm curious, when was the first time you remember encountering Python? To be honest, 
I don't know. Was it as an adult, do you think, or as like a late teen? Probably late teens. Yeah, because I I was still hanging around, uh, you know, in the neighborhood with Preston, his family. And uh, and like I I remember sitting around with Preston and his little brother and quoting Monty Python. So, I mean, it had to have been late teens. But I feel like I already had those quotes like tis but a flesh wound and uh, and the knights who say knee and uh, and brave, brave, brave Sir Robin in my head already before that happened. So, uh, you know what? I'm I feel like the first time I saw it was over at our buddy. Well, my buddy at the time, uh, Jordan Jackman's house. I think we were all getting together, a bunch of us Mormon kids watching a movie on a Friday night, as as you do when you're uh, when you're party animals. Just just seeing the absurdities like uh, like that, the the scene with uh, with Lancelot, with John Cleese, we were talking about earlier with uh, that prince who's like, I don't want to get married. I want to sing or whatever it is. (laughs) No, no singing. Yeah. She's got huge tracts of land. Oh, yeah. Huge tracts of land. And I, I remember just being so tickled by the by the fucking like. That like off in the distance, Lancelot's like charging oh, near yeah. the boom, 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 boom. <laughs> goes away, looks back, boom, 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 and does it like three or four times. Then all of a sudden, he's just there hacking people to bits, and he's just just running through that castle, just wrecking shop. And, uh, and then it turns out it isn't even a woman he's saving. Yeah, and he's all apologetic for ruining the wedding. And- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a a wonderful scene, and then like I touched upon the uh, the bridge thing in the end. I mean, the knights who say knee for some reason always just kind of got on my nerves. I don't know why. I didn't find it funny uh, when they're talking about getting a shrubbery. Like, okay, cool, but for some reason, maybe it was just that I heard so many people before that saying just just walking around going knee knee knee, and it's like Ugh. I don't know. I don't think I understood the humor. Well, and, and it's like something, if it's got a big buildup and you're expecting it to be really funny, like, oh, is this the, that scene that everyone says is so funny and it doesn't quite meet your expectations? You're a little, even if it was a little funny, you were expecting a lot funny. Yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. Down. Yeah. And I know you're, you're big on expectations. I am. That's why I don't like to have expectations going into yeah. a movie. It's generally the better path. Yeah. And, and I think, I think there is a big difference between folks that got into or were expecting exposed to Monty Python as kids and the, the older you get when you first see Monty Python, I think the less likely you are to have the patience to enjoy it. I could see that. Cause I like most people that I've talked to that have like, they're in their thirties and they've never seen Monty Python. Um, there's a good chance that, I mean, you certainly don't want to point them towards like flying circus first because it is so absurd that, um, it, they, they're going to be kind of confused Mm-hmm. And maybe le- more confused and less in- enthused. It's kind of like you know freeform jazz, or like if you're not in you know to you know abstract acid jazz and like you listen, you're like this is just a confusing freaking mess. Yeah, which is how I feel about it. But like some people are really into that, or like starting Pink Floyd with uh with some of the more like like oh, what like, yeah yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah exactly yeah, like, like that between their their early rock and their and their popular rock. Like even Adam Hart Mother's a little tough on a, on a couple of tracks. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Alan's psychedelic breakfast yep. is, a little, uh, is a, a little abstract. Well, I remember when we were kids, you know, j- just on 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 the topic of Pink Floyd. I remember when we were kids, like you know, sure, I was into like the the hits that we heard from uh, from Dark Side of the Moon and the Wall, but like when you'd play that that more wacky stuff for me, like. It was just kind of irritating. Like this was pre-smoking weed, so you know we it it wasn't at a point where I was going to zone out. So I imagine it's a uh, it's a similar a similar experience to that where it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, like if you go into it expecting like a a, a sensible plot and like your standard progression, or even standard comedy where there's you know setup punchline setup punchline. Yeah, uh, you don't get that, and it's kind of confusing because it's a bit subversive to the to the standard comedy and TV show model, especially at the time. Well, yeah. And in, in England, but now too, like we, when we live in a world with, with like where Jim Carrey in the nineties and then like your Will Ferrell's and Jack Black and even your Paul Rudd's like, like, you know, the, the comedy landscape right now, like if that's what you're used to, like going back to that old stuff, like, like you were saying, like, I imagine it's just 
is just too much. Yeah, and there's and there's nothing innovative or groundbreaking about it at this point because uh, they, you know, they're part of the foundation of comedy. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of permeated the culture. So it's not, uh, you know, it's not, and you still don't see stuff that's quite that absurd very often anymore because it's hard to pull off. But uh, it uh, it it's not innovative or new or fresh. Whereas when you're a kid and you're watching it, like this is like it's even though it's not new, it's you know still mind blowing and new to you. Whereas as an adult, you've got a lot more opinions and thoughts on things. And, and, and I think you just, you don't have the patience to get what's going on because it doesn't, it doesn't hit you immediately. Now, something that just, uh, just crossed my mind because I was thinking about influence of Monty Python and I was trying to think of what the modern day equivalent of it would be. But before we get to modern day equivalent, if we're talking about like stuff that they influence, something that, 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 uh, that entered my brain was, uh, kids in the hall. Absolutely. Yeah. Kids in the Hall or uh, like up, Upright Citizens Brigade. You see, I never saw much, much of that. Like all I ever hear about is the the UCB theaters down in uh, down in L.A. where they still do tons of improv skits and stuff. But yeah, like like that, like I, I was thinking of, of Kids in the Hall. When we were younger, I, I thought of it as like the Canadian Saturday Night Live because it was sketch comedy. But thinking about it like, you know, five, five uh, or a core cast of five dudes, you know, doing uh, ridiculous skits sometimes dressed as women but yeah they they uh like you were saying about flying circus it never or not never but it, it wasn't all dependent upon the the punchline and the delivery yeah absolutely no it, it, i loved kids in the hall too it's a great freaking show yeah i wonder if it's streaming anywhere i haven't seen it they've got a bunch of the skits at least up on youtube Ooh, i've always been looking for this one that i saw early on where it's like uh it's uh I think Bruce McCulloch, the short one, mm-hmm. and he's like playing the bass and he does this whole like kind of beatnik riff on <laughs> on nobody likes the bass player. And I've, I've been trying to find it. And for some reason, I can't. I think he may have done a couple of them, but like he does this one line where where it's always stuck out in my head where, where they're just like, oh, here comes the bass player. Don't tell him what we're doing tonight. And like I've used that one throughout my entire life. <laughs> I, 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 for, ah, I, I want to find that sketch again because it was so funny. But then there's like the 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 crush your head and squeeze your face guys I crush your head oh i still do that with my kids yeah <laughs> i'm crushing your head yeah and then i i the bird lady oh yeah the great bellini and uh that one where that dude's like the lounge lizard but but like the super gay lounge li- lizard and he's sitting there smoking a cigarette and like man like Maybe that's why it's not streaming anywhere because I just remember the the number of times that the the inappropriate f word these days the three letter f word like the the amount of times that that dude says that in those sketches like I don't I don't think a network could get away with like even rerunning that yeah and that was uh what's that guy's name um it was mix something mix something because so many of them were like there was Mark McKinney there was Bruce McCulloch there was Dave Foley. Kevin Mick something. Kevin. Oh no, maybe Kevin was the. No, brown Kevin McDonald. Dude. He was the he was the curly haired guy. Yeah. Scott Thompson. Scott Thompson. Uh, so yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Scott. I think Scott Thompson was actually gay, too. I'm nearly certain. Yeah, he was for sure. Um, I remember when I was younger thinking they all were, and then I and then I I left watching the show reasonably certain that it was just Scott Thompson and Dave Foley. But I, that is also not true. I think Scott Thompson was the only one. Well, and it's similar with Monty Python, like there's a lot of, um, you know, jokes about uh, homosexuals in that as well. Because, I mean, they were definitely a derided population in 1960s Britain. Yeah, yeah. Like it was definitely not a uh, a hip thing to be gay then. And uh, Graham Chapman was also gay. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, Sorry, uh, I, I, that that didn't sound like it had a question mark on it. I was like, "Oh yeah, like I remember," but then no, I did not actually know that. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think they really used that f word very much. It was mostly like fairy or poofta, yeah, yeah. poofta, or um, pansy. But but they definitely have some stuff that would be viewed in an odd light. I think by to, by a lot of people today. Oh you know? yeah, no kidding. Especially like, like, like with all, with all the cross-dressing and stuff like back then it, you know, it was part of the humor that, that dudes were, were dressing like ladies and it was absurd. Whereas I wonder if, if you showed it to 
you know, like a, a 20 year old these days. And they're just like, why are you laughing at that? Like, so what? I wear a dress. Like, I, I wonder if it's if it's a if there's a weird generational gap thing. Well, there's I mean, because at that point, you know, the idea of uh, there was something taboo and absurd and silly about um, men dressing up as women. Yeah. Not that that's really what the, most of their most of the stuff was just, you know, they were dudes and they needed to play the parts. They needed parts for old women and they were the actors in the show. I mean, there was only maybe a dozen people that ever appeared on the show and only s- six of them were regulars. Yeah. Well, seven. Up- if uh, if you count, uh, what was her name? Carol Cleveland. She was like the lady that was in Monty Python. And usually when she was there, she was, they were making some joke that would probably be sexist now. <laughs> she was presented as <laughs> offend like the sexy secretary or, you know, in a, in a sexy light of one form or another. Sexy secretary, Carol Cleveland. Man, that's a bummer. The sexy secretary is is a uh, is a character model that we won't really see anymore. I don't know. I think I think it still has some play left in it. Yeah, you know the the, the character probably shouldn't only be a sexy secretary. Yeah, you know, yeah. Give it a little bit more depth, but that's just good writing in general. Yeah, nowadays, like you just see the uh, the subversion of that in like the the uh, 2016 Ghostbusters, where like Chris Hemsworth is the sexy secretary. He was definitely still a sexy secretary, <laughs> but it's okay in that case. And he was dumb, also. Yes, much dumber than most human beings could possibly. Yeah, be. like blatantly <laughs> dumb. Yeah, like really dumb. Could we just call them sexcretaries? Sexcretaries, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had Carol Cleveland on. She was uh, also pretty funny. Like, yeah. Doesn't get a lot of credit for being in Python, but was a uh, was good at what she did. Yeah, it shouldn't come as any shock, but I have never heard of her. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Flying Circus, I'm not sure what you would have She might have been one of the um, Vestal Virgins. In fact, I'm almost certain she was one of the Vestal Virgins in Holy Grail, but there was a bunch of them, so it probably wouldn't. Help you pick her out of a crowd. They were the ones that were lined up at, at the wedding? No, they were the ones when um, Michael Palin's character, Sir something, the, the chaste, <laughs> when he goes in, he goes into that castle and there's, there, it's the castle of uh, the, all the virgins oh, dressed yeah, in white. Yeah, and yeah. All, and like he's, he's taken a vow of celebacy and they're all trying to seduce him. That's they're all right. excited that he showed up. It, it, it would have had to have been either Galahad or Percival, I imagine. I think he might have been Galahad. I, my Arthurian lore is pretty weak. Like, <laughs> you know what's funny is <laughs> to tell you the truth. I I have to be one hundred percent honest. Like I probably I I could have pulled Galahad and maybe Percival, but I'm reading this comic book called Once in Future, where it's like mixing Arthurian legend into modern times. And I just read the most recent issue yesterday, and there's a Galahad and there's a Percival, so it just popped out in my head. Well, there you go. Is one of them chased? I don't know. Uh, apparently, Galahad is the one who can, uh, who can, uh, what does he have to do? He has to fuck, do something from something else. And well, then... if he has to fuck, it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah. well, no, I think it is Galahad because I think he's Galahad, Sir Galahad the Pure. Yeah, because, yeah, Galahad, right Galahad is, yeah, the, for some reason, it seems like he had an innocence to him. So I'll, I'll take that. Well, I don't know if any of them were known as, like, you know, uh, sir, sir Dingleberry, the asshole. Yeah. I, my favorite was always sir not appearing in this film. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, let's go ahead. Let's take a break. Let's do that. Monty Python looking back over their years together. Far away. Does rugged adventure ever come to mind? Yeah. Well then does serious journalism. That's not my name. How about good clean fun? No. Do you recall anything you could watch in front of grandmother? Great, because that's the same Python we remember. Turn that television off. See 20 years of Monty Python, parrot sketch not included. Wednesday on Showtime. All right, we're back. Yo-ho. I would love to welcome myself back to this podcast. You should. What's stopping you? I think I just did. Thank you so much for welcoming me back. So Ben, coming from the uh, from the perspective of somebody who is not well versed in Monty Python, somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of experience, where would you say 
one should start? If if you were going to get somebody into Monty Python, wh- where would you go to? Would you go to Flying Circus or Holy Grail because it's the popular one or uh, the other movies? Unless I knew their humor already, probably wouldn't steer them towards Flying Circus um, just because it is a little bit more out there. Those were just the words I was thinking. A Holy Grail, like, you know, that's most people's introduction to Monty Python, but I would probably steer someone towards Life of Brian. Okay. It's probably got the closest thing to a narrative arc in any, <laughs> uh, any of their works. So it's it'd be the most kind of recognizable, and it's freaking hilarious. Yeah, I know I've seen that one. I, I'm not certain I've seen Meaning of Life like we were talking about, but... Honestly, like I don't remember anything except like the very, very end. So, what's the plot? So basically, it's a there. It, it takes place in uh, in ancient Rome, but it basically it's a Jesus allegory where there's this guy who people decide that they think he's the Messiah by accident, and he just keeps trying to tell them that he's not, and uh, he kind of follows a a pseudo path to uh, to Jesus. Now, does he perform any miracles or, or does, do, do circumstances happen where like things happen that people think he made happen? So, yeah, yeah, kind of. There's a few of those, but it's, yes, essentially. I, I can't, re- I, I can't even remember what the, the thing was that, uh, made them think he was the Messiah in the first place. At oh, this geez, point. But, you're uh, the super fan. Well, it's not really important to the plot. <laughs> ah, it's not what makes it funny. <laughs> yeah. It's got all the components of a story, which most of their stuff maybe doesn't. Like it's got a, uh, you know, an introduction and some conflict and a resolution. Yeah. (laughs) Although if what I remember is correct, it's kind of a weird resolution. Well, I mean, like I said, it's a Jesus allegory and uh, hands up getting (laughs) crucified. So, you know, it's the the exact ending you would expect. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a good movie. It's it's super funny. Uh, You get to see Graham Chapman's Ding Dong. Oh, hello. That's your thing. Uh, and uh, it is uh, it is the easiest to digest, I think, for people that aren't familiar with uh, more Pythonesque works. It's the uh, the training wheels. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and I, I think it's probably my favorite movie, too. I, I kind of bounce between that and Meaning of Life. Oh, interesting. So what what is it that sets those two above the popular one of Holy Grail? I just think they're funnier. Oh, OK. Meaning of life is great because it is just a series of vignettes of like going through all the different stages of life and then death and then the afterlife mm-hmm. trying to, you know, suss out what the meaning of life is. And, so uh, existentialism through Monty Python. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just swell. It's got the stuff like the, uh, the sperm song. Imagine you've probably heard that. Uh, every sperm is sacred. Every sperm is great. If a sperm is wasted, God gets quite irate. <laughs> nope. Now, do you, do you have any thoughts or feelings as to why Holy Grail hit so big out of all of them? I was chatting with uh, our buddies over at the Movie Cellar on Twitter the other day because they they just recently reviewed Holy Grail. Oh, cool. And I commented that, that because they were saying Holy Grail would be the best introduction to Monty Python. I was like, I, I would personally recommend Life of Brian. And then he asked me why. He asked me that. He's like, why do you think it hit? And I was like, man, I'm, just, I'm not really sure because technically Life of Brian did better in the box office. Oh, yeah. It was the more successful movie um, as well. But um, I think the Holy Grail probably had more quotable moments. Yeah. Yeah. The little the little funny bits. Yeah. And more. Yeah. More things that would fit on a T-shirt and better things that like better, more noticeable gags, I guess. And, And I think also it was the first movie and it's one that Python fans really enjoy and so when usually when people are asking hey what's the best monty python movie they're gonna ask monty python fans and um so they're already into it but but if you're coming into it without any experience then um i I, my guess is most people would enjoy life of brian more yeah that was going to be my next question about you know like which one came out first in what order did they come out so i i'm sure there is a whole lot of love for the original so yeah and and the more people that that go oh yeah Monty Python, Holy Grail, then the more people that see that movie and that's their their exposure. Yeah, and it is definitely kind of the the default Python movie. Like if you've seen any one thing they've done, it's it's probably that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite use in pop culture? So let's think about that. The the you know, that's not really a pop culture 
thing outside of what Monty Python is. So um, yeah, I, I decided to just kind of go with my top Monty Python thing or experience, I guess. Yeah. And so I went with when I got to see them on their set of farewell shows on the uh, Monty Python Live Mostly tour. Or it wasn't really a tour. They were in one place at the O2 in London. So this is something separate from their Spamalot show, right? Because Spamalot, is that Craig, just... That's like a Broadway show. And that's just Holy Grail? It's ba- it's a musical based on the Holy Grail. Oh, okay. And I have not seen that. Oh, interesting. I, I wish we had Angelina here. She's seen that. Yeah, I've talked to a couple people who've seen it. It sounds like it's good. Musicals aren't really my thing. Nah, me either. Like Broadway and musicals doesn't really do much for me. So I don't know if it being a musical version of something else I like makes it any better. Um, I like Spider-Man. Heard Spider-Man the musical wasn't that great. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that turn off the dark. Yeah. It was plagued with problems. I'd have seen it, though. Yeah, supposedly Spamalot is, is great, but yep. I, I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. But I did get to see Monty Python live in London in 2014 when they were doing their final set of shows. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. You got you got some... Did you buy the tickets initially? And you, you bought a bunch of them, right? So when, well, about four. Oh, okay. So when it, when they went on sale, I was like, oh, I'm going to this. You know, I'm absolutely, I don't care if I have to fly to London. I'm going to see Monty Python live. This is going to be fucking awesome. And so I went on the website and uh, the show sold out in like seconds. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) So I was sitting there and then they released a second day and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going. All right. Four tickets because I figured, you know, my wife and I would go and I'd probably have two other people who'd want to go with us. And if not, I could always sell the tickets because it's Monty Python and uh, yeah, someone's going to buy those. Tickets, it's not right? not going to sell. Yeah. And uh, so I think I bought them and I think they were like like a hundred bucks each. Oh, somewhere wow. around there. That's very reasonable. Yeah. No, it wasn't bad. And then after I bought them, I was like, all right, sweet, done. And then they, then they, you know, once that one sold out, they, re- they opened another day and then another day and then another day. And I think they did like 13 days in a row or something. Holy shit. And those guys were not young even then. No, no, they're all in their uh, 70s, I believe. Now, was it all of the, uh, their surviving members? Were they all a part of it? Yes. Yeah. The slogan was five down or one down, five to go. <laughs> so yes it was everybody sans graham chapman because he was dead yeah by the time the show came around we, you know we my wife and i flew to you know we flew into london we, and uh, we kind of made a trip of it It was our first like vacation away from the kids um so we took two weeks and kind of we went to budapest and prague and vienna as well oh so shit we made a proper trip out of it you're not going to fly to europe just for a weekend or something oh really wow i feel like i didn't even hear about that the whole experience, the trip, and getting to see Python was probably one of my top, the top ten experiences in my life. Man, you've it done was some amazing. shit too. Amazing, yeah, it was so great. And we had we had pretty good seats. We're kind of off into the side, but they they ran through a bunch of their classic bits and they updated a couple of them um, mm-hmm. a little bit uh, to make them uh, a little bit more applicable these days. And it was for drop the three letter f words. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't think they had too many of those, but they did change the um, the I Like Chinese song a little bit when they did that one. I, the, <laughs> I don't the, know the, it, the but I imagine it would, it might be a little offensive just based on the title. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what they changed, but I remember like singing along and being like, oh, so they changed some of those lyrics. That makes some sense, I guess. Yeah. I think uh, I think they might have dropped the line of they only come up to your knees. <laughs> 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 but uh, it was uh, it was amazing. It was super great it was just my wife and i that went because nobody else could come with me or you know the the other people i'd said hey you want to go and they they expressed interest it did not end up being able to go wait so nobody went with you i thought i thought your sister went along no she was going to but uh she ended up not being able to because she had to have like a kid or something (laughs) whatever so yeah you can have kids in england (laughs) yeah exactly don't you want to burr the british citizen yeah so i ended up selling the tickets but like because they'd opened up 14 days like there was plenty of tickets. Oh shit! So did you take a hit on it? Oh yeah, well yeah. I like I still ended up selling it on StubHub for like twenty five bucks each. Ew! And then sitting next to the guy, obviously that uh, bottom. <laughs> How was that? It was cool. Like you know, I, like I talked to him briefly. I didn't mention like, hey, I sold you those tickets for really cheap or anything, but but it's cool. Like this dude that you know was able to go to the show for twenty five bucks. Holy shit! You know, just up in the day of the concert, you know, like you know what? I am going to go see Monty Python and go. So good for him because uh, it was uh, it was amazing. It was super super fun. 
Now, were they were they on top of their shit? Like, were they oh, as yeah. sharp as ever? Yeah, yeah. They uh, they were still doing dance numbers and shit, and their their delivery was freaking spot on. Still, Did they do any uh, Spanish Inquisition? Uh, no Spanish Inquisition. They did like the Bruces, and uh, they did the Sperm Song. They did the Philosophy Song. They did um, was it the Five Yorkshire Men sketch? I could probably name a bunch of other sketches that you won't know the names of, but they nope, did those. I don't I don't know the name of any of those. They did like the, Bruces. the Cheese Shop. Okay. Probably know the cheese shop. You um, mentioned that earlier. And I think they, they went like straight from cheese shop into the parrot sketch maybe like, so, they, they, but it was great. You can, it's, it's on Netflix right now. Well, so that, you can go and watch it. That's interesting. Uh, going to see a live show based on a TV show uh, or, or a, a TV sketch show. Cause like with, with like a live stage production, it's the same thing every night and it's supposed to be, but I, I guess that that would be interesting to see the actual players from a TV show doing those same sketches live. Yeah, well, and they did that about like they had they did like a live at the Hollywood Bowl in the early '90s and a, and a few others, you know. So they they did live. Sh- I mean, they started in they started their you know sketch comedy stuff doing live shows and then went to TV thereafter. Oh yeah, they I guess got that would make sense. In college, doing little sketch comedy shows live. And then they got jobs with the BBC and wrote for a few different, uh, few different shows here and there. Uh, one of which was a show called Don't Adjust Your Set, which was a kids' TV show. Oh boy! That they wrote sketches for. That, as I've heard it described, uh, was a show that like parents would rush home to see, and it was like one of the highest rated shows for that time slot on the BBC. <laughs> and then, and, and then I guess when they went to pitch Python, it was like the weakest pitch ever. Like they walked in, they, you know, they, like John Cleese got the guys, um, the rest of the guys together and was like, hey, let's do a show. And they're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And they went into the, the you know, the one of the producers, the big, big wigs at BBC and were like, we'd like to do a, sh- a comedy show. And he's like, all right, cool. What's it about? And they're like, well, we don't, I don't know. Comedy. Like, all right, we'll have music. And they're like, uh, no. They're like, okay, uh, what's it called? Like, well, we, we don't know. And he was like, all right, you got 13 episodes. and then just kind of let them do whatever the hell they wanted to like they had no oversight no censors nobody you know no producers or anybody getting in their way they just got to do whatever the fuck they wanted and uh without that i don't think it would have uh i don't think they would have been able to pull it off now do you know where the name monty python came from they were just spitballing names I, i guess they they had a bunch of um they were just like running names and I guess they would like run some past the BBC and they'd be like, no. And so they, they had to get one that they like. Um, like I think some of the early ones where there was uh owl stretching time. Oh geez. And uh, the toad elevation moment. And what was one of the, uh, you can't call a show cornflakes. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I think what I've heard is they had like a, um, in the early contracts, I can't remember the guy's name. Like one of the guys that was helped, like one of the, I guess he'd be like a showrunner now. Like he was one of the guys helping produce it or whatever. Yeah. God, what was his name? Anyway, how would I know? Doesn't really matter. It was, uh, it was Nigel uh, Fluffbottom. Yeah. Yes. Whatever. But it, but like on on all the contracts that they'd signed, since they didn't have a name for it, they'd called it Nigel Fluffbottom's Flying Circus for huh. some reason, and they liked that. And then they kind of went through a bunch of names until they landed on. Monty Python. I wonder if they ever had a situation like the uh, the old Pink Floyd story about the the executives coming in after they'd made it big and they're just like, which one's pink? You know, like which one of you guys is pink? Assuming that that Pink Floyd was a person. I can only imagine that they got that a number of times. Like who's Monty? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk to Monty, Mister Python. I'd like to see you in my office. <laughs> Time to leave the rest of these guys behind. Man, I can only imagine how fucking cool that would be. Like, I imagine it was similar to when I got to see Queen and Paul Rogers, you know, just like something you've loved your entire life and having the opportunity to see it live. Oh, it was pure magic. And like for any of the songs and like a bunch of the skits, you could just hear people, you know, chime, you know, singing along and stuff. And it it was an, it was a giant amphitheater filled with 10,000 other people who were absolutely thrilled to be there, which was really cool too. See, I imagine I would enjoy singing along to the songs, but if they're, if, if like they were doing like the spam sketch and there was somebody next to me just going like spam eggs and spam, 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 Spam sausage sausage and spam. spam. Yeah. I think I would get really fucking irritated. Yeah. I don't think they did the spam sketch. Those motherfuckers. I don't think they did the argument sketch either, which I think is my favorite Monty Python sketch. Is that a, a popular one? 
Uh, I think or, so. I mean, a it's, famous it's a one? Fairly well-known one. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely up there. It's one you could find on YouTube if you wanted to. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, like after this, it'd be fun to go and watch some Monty Python and just see how much of it I actually do know that, that has just escaped my brain and that I was too busy and otherwise, uh, I don't want to say unwilling, but unable is probably, probably a little too serious, but I just didn't. Un- uninterested? Nah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I had a lot of shit going on this week. Unenthused? Nah, see, I- uh, No? I think it's just a uh, uh, un uh, yeah. I just didn't. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's just pl- good old apathy. Yeah, I I did not. I did not make a conscious decision to not do it. It was just sort of like maybe I should, but there's there's so much out there that I that is uh, you know like where where would I go? Where would I start? You know, it's not like even with like Universal Monsters where it's like there is clearly a path to you know like there there's a couple things to watch. But it was like, I, I don't, I didn't have time to watch, you know, all three of their movies. And then where do I even go with Flying Circus? I don't know. And I had, yeah, just a lot of shit going on. I'm a huge fan of Flying Circus, but I still couldn't tell you like which episode, what sketch is from. Yeah. I could tell you like a couple of them, like, cause I know this sketch follows that sketch. Like I know the barbershop sketch bleeds into the lumberjack. Yeah. If sketch. you saw one, you'd be like, okay, this one's coming next, like tracks on a CD. But then, like I said, they're very, you know, they're kind of disjointed and sometimes they, they end like a lot of the time they end into the animations and then the, you know, and then the next sketch kind of bleeds into that. Like they used the animations as like a super bizarre, completely off the wall segue device. Yeah. So are the animations like the same as like in Holy Grail? Yes. Very similar. Where It's like, it almost looks like, you know, paper cutout kind of things. Yeah, like like better illustrated South Park. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're using a lot of like classical art and various things like that. Yeah. F- photographs of people and, and stuff. Yeah, very interesting art style. Now, what do you see for any sort of future of Monty Python? Like, do you, like, I mean, like we talked about, these guys are getting up there in age. Um, they're stars where, whereas they may not, you know, like they're, they've still got their legendary status, but the, you know, they're not highly sought out. Like John Cleese had that, that time in the late nineties when he was in, I mean, I guess in the eighties and nineties where he was in a bunch of comedies and he was even in like James Bond poised to take over his cue when, uh, when they were phasing out Desmond Llewellyn. But do you see any sort of resurgence for these guys? I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. They're, they're, even though they are, they've got their status They're I mean, I don't see them anywhere anymore. Um, I mean, they've, they just released, I think they just released all the flying circus stuff in like uh, remastered in high definition. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they did that kind of farewell show, uh, you know, or series of farewell shows back in 2014 probably made them all the money they need to live for the rest of their lives. I mean, they sold out a giant amp, a, a giant, you know, arena for 13 or 14 nights in a row. Um, I imagine that netted them some cash. Other than that, I know John Cleese does like, he, he does like, uh, this speaking engagements and stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're all in their eighties. Uh, um, Terry Gilliams just came out with a movie that he's been working on for 17 years called oh, um, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote that I'm that I'd like to see. Oh, that does sound familiar. Yeah, I think it just debuted at some fancy pants European film festival thing. Yeah, like TIFF or something. Oh, never mind. That's that's not European. Something not Cannes. So, another one that's over there. I don't know. But uh I read an article that popped up um where they called him British. <laughs> just guilty by association yeah because yeah, he was the only the only yankee in the group you know i i would have called him british but that does sound familiar that he was the only uh the only american yeah he sure is still alive oh yeah i don't know why i thought he was dead did terry jones die no they are they're all still alive are you sure john cleese is not dead i'm i'm certain he just did uh a speaking engagement in Davis that I missed. When? Like a few months ago. He could have died since then. He, he could have. But he, he tweeted. Eric Idle may have died died last night. He tweeted stuff recently. I saw Eric Idle tweeted something today. So somebody's handling his account if he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a new conspiracy. The the world would crumble if Terry uh, if uh, if Eric Idle died. I think it's, there was some things about Terry Jones. There was like a rumor that he had died a while ago, um, because I think he had a stroke. Oh shit! So I think he I think he might be I think he's in a wheelchair now and he has oh he's kind of I think he's got like a dementia or something like that where he has a hard time. Uh, I think he still remembers things, but he has a hard time speaking and stuff. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, but he is alive still. He's not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Bring out your dead. I don't know if it's true, but uh, John Cleese has said that his uh, his father's original name was Cheese and not Cleese, and, <laughs> and he ended up like changing it in his in his twenties or something because he didn't like the name Cheese. <laughs> And so as far as he knows, like his dad, his mom and him are the only three people with his kids are the only people with the Cleese last name. And I don't know if he was being sarcastic or not, (laughs) because it's hard to tell with him because uh, he is the ultimate straight man. Yes, he he can just play it straight. And like he never breaks. You never see him laughing at his own jokes or cracking. He is just. It looks absolutely serious. The He's the, the, the anti Jimmy Fallon. Yes. Yes, exactly. He He's can, not going to look at the camera and he's not going to start busting up in the middle of a line. No, no. And he and he does rage well. He just does. He is such a good straight man. Yeah, that's why even though even though he was uh, more uh, a little too much on the comedic side for my taste for somebody to take over Q um, in the James Bond series. Like there was something about like like something that felt familiar with just you know what in, in James Bond movies James Bond will go and like fiddle with the uh, with the gadgets and stuff and and Desmond Desmond Llewellyn always had like some little just like some little quips and some little shots at him that were very dry and and they were they were clearly you know insults but but it, but it just it played off very light and there was something that uh that that felt right about John Cleese doing that it was. Like when, like when Alfred the Butler, you know, do, does like a, a, a little, uh, you know, I, I remember in Mask of the Phantasm, like Bruce, Bruce Wayne's like, you think you know me, don't you? And he's like, well, I die up at your bottom, yeah. so I bloody well ought to, <laughs> sir. You know, like little, little lines like that, like John Cleese can pull those off in spades. Oh yeah. He can do condescending Brit like no one <laughs> yeah. in the world. Yeah. Just very, very passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I would not mind having lunch with John Cleese. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about the right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't even remember who Michael Powell is. <laughs> I know, so. that shit. Can you imagine, like, we, we get the opportunity to have lunch with, with Michael Palin and, uh, and I have to, like, do a bunch of research, and, I, and the whole time I'd just be sitting there like, Ben, don't you dare fucking tell him that I... <laughs> Don't know who he is. <laughs> They'd be like, I listened to your podcast. Oh, like, no. oh fuck. <laughs> oh boy. Did you ever watch Faulty Towers? With John no. Cleese as Basil Faulty? No. It's fucking great too. And uh he was it was just John Cleese being John Cleese, and uh, as such, it was pretty fucking funny. Did it have any of the other uh players from Monty Python? It did not. Oh man. Yeah, that was uh that was post Python. Not too far after, though. I think they were still doing live shows. They definitely did live shows and stuff after that in some of the movies, but yeah, that was all him. When I was, I was probably in junior high, Comedy Central had was the one airing Monty Python, and I remember uh, they had a Monty Pythonathon where they sequentially aired all of the Monty Python Flying Circus episodes. How many hours worth of? Uh... Uh, content was that oh geez um i don't know but i i recorded all of it on vhs tape <laughs> and i think i still have a couple of them and it was like eight tapes and i think i recorded over like one of my sister's softball games or something because i just grabbed whatever tapes i could find you <laughs> to, would you <laughs> asshole to record it and it was hosted by mark Marin. remember that whoa no shit yeah yeah, I didn't even hear that guy's name until like a few years ago, but apparently he's been on the scene since, yeah, like the 90s. Oh, yeah. yeah he was very young. He was just a, you know, he had, a, you know, I guess his career hadn't taken off too much because he was hosting a marathon on Comedy Central. Yeah. And this was, you know, this is early Comedy Central where Comedy Central was mostly old comedies and stand up. Yeah. Like, I don't think they had hardly any original programming other than like stand up, stand up stuff back in the day. 
But uh, it was awesome because it was, I'd watched a bunch like when it was on PBS or whatever when I was a kid. And then it was kind of on occasionally. And uh, I was obsessed as a kid. So it was great for me to be able to record all the Flying Circus episodes and rewatch them ad nauseum. Well, yeah, you know, in conclusion, like that sort of ties into what I think of when I when I think of Monty Python, like I think of how obsessed with it you always were like that. That's probably where most of my exposure came from. Like when I think of Monty Python, I think of you and I think of their their goofy off the wall. Like you were talking about this or you were talking about one of their sketches earlier. And I thought like, you know, they they had like the mentality of the like the why not method for oh, writing. Yeah. Where yeah. it's just like somebody says like, oh, yeah, then then dude gets hit in the face with a piece of bologna. The end. And it's like, yeah, why not? And that totally translates into the way you and I or you more specifically write comic books when we when we write stuff together is, you know, I'm I'm very much Mr. Mr. Structure, Adventure, Story, whatever, you know, because that, that's what I grew up with. But then all of a sudden you come in with the wacky off the wall ideas that, that I never would have thought of that, that anybody who is writing an adventure story or a fairy tale story or whatever a normal story would think of. But I think that's what makes it so brilliant. Like that, that's why I like writing with you. I know you love praise. Um, that, that, <laughs> that's why I enjoy writing comic books with you because I want to write stuff like that, but it's not the stuff that, that ever comes to me uh, unless I've just read a lot of Douglas Adams. Then, then, then I can think a little more, more wack, a little Ooh, more I did, wacky. I did a lot of that too. Yeah. If I was to sum up Monty Python for me in in a single word, it would be formative because they really helped build the foundation of my sense of humor. I mean, I was young at that point. Um, I'm sure I wasn't anywhere near as funny as I thought I was. And just I absolutely glommed onto it and it really resonated with me. And I, I watched I mean, I got big into a bunch of different British comedies as well after that. And uh, I just really enjoyed that sense of humor, which is probably one of the reasons I was a huge Douglas Adams fan when I was a kid, too. Yeah. Um, that I just that really dry, sarcastic and uh, and occasionally absurd humor is uh, just it, it just tickles me all the right ways. And uh, if uh, anyone out there that is not familiar with the works of the, the Monty Python crew, I highly suggest you go check them out. Um, it's funny. I I think after this, you were mentioning you want to watch the Monty Python. I say we go inside and watch one episode of Flying Circus since you're not sure if you've ever seen one. Okay, I'm down. Say so we do it because it, uh, it's it's a good show, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. We'll see. Uh, it's hard to we'll say. See, let's see how uh, how how strong the haterade is. I'm drinking tonight. <laughs> I can I can hate on anything. And Monty Python meant a lot to me as a kid, and being able to see them live meant a huge amount to me. And uh, uh, they are some of my idols. So I'm. Uh, You're Eric. Idols? My Eric idols, yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm smitten with them. I don't really have anything <laughs> else to say other than uh, I like Monty Python. I like them; they're good. And, and thank, thankfully, they all decided to try and be funny and get on TV because they all had, you know, great careers ahead of them. Otherwise, and Graham Chapman had finished medical school when he decided to go write with John Cleese oh, for shit. BBC. Yeah, he, he was he was torn between doing his residency and becoming a doctor or going and writing comedy with John Cleese, and he chose correctly. Wow. And John like John Cleese finished law school. He was about to take a position as a as a solicitor. <laughs> but yeah, they I mean they all went to, with the exception of of Terry Gillum who went to college in America. They all went to either, you know, Oxford or um Cambridge and, and you know, graduated with advanced degrees and then decided to write, you know, silly jokes yeah <laughs> and wear women's clothing so god bless them for choosing the uh the right path and not doing the sensible thing yeah even though i'm not the not the super fan that you are i do appreciate that they did that also well thank you for silly walking with us through uh today's podcast um if you want to let us know how we did as always hit us up on the uh the social medias facebook the geek exploration the podcast the page uh instagram geek exploration podcast and twitter at geek explore pod and if you enjoyed today's episode please uh, stop by 
Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and give us a five dead parrot review. And we still have merch available at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com. And right now, through December 4th, uh, Teespring is running a promotion for 20% off with the code HOLIDAY20. So if uh, now's a good time to grab some of them T-shirts. Yeah, go get some of them shits. I, uh, I was away from it for a while, and I was really impressed when I went back on there and saw all the stuff you'd put on there. Yeah, yeah, I've got quite uh, at least like four different options now, I think, or three, yeah. a number, a number of options. Is yes, what have. men, ladies, kids, <laughs> stickers. Oh, yeah, we do have stickers on there. Huh? Do it. As always, our theme song is Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Till next time. I fart in your general direction. <laughs>